The Koigig part. Well, I'm smiling from a Manchester United viewpoint. Champions League nearly in the bag. But Man City will be really disappointed. They didn't look like the team that had won 14 on the trot. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Now then, so important to note, we are reaching the culmination of the WSL season. So FA Cup at the weekend. Chelsea, three in a row. 1-0 win against Manchester United. And we are on the cusp of a Chelsea double for the third time in a row. So you get the picture. WSL firmly uh, within their grasp. They have a game in hand on Manchester United and they are just a point behind. So there are two remaining matches. West Ham away tomorrow. Uh, West Ham in eighth and then third placed Arsenal. Sunday half 12 at home should uh, seal the deal for Chelsea, we think, maybe. Kathleen McNamee is here in the studio working overtime. Thank goodness you've been here for what can I say? 20 I just, hours. I just love the office that much. You know, it's just so much fun being around everyone for so long. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, so FA Cup we should look back on. The headlines were about the 78,000 uh, world record, which is no mean feat. And there is no doubt that the women's game is making a habit now of these very significant events being well attended. Be interesting to know. I don't know to what extent it's even possible to ascertain are these like the Manchester United fan base, a lot of them watching on TV and the Chelsea fan base watching on TV and they come out for the big day? Or is there just an event junkie aspect and it's well marketed and people go along to their first ever women's game? I think it's a mixture of things. So last year when like England hosted the Euros, the FA made a really concerted effort that this was going to be a legacy thing. You know, it's not just going to be the summer and then everyone goes home and we forget that we have a really, really impressive league. And what we've seen throughout the league so far this year is attendances are up by like 100, 200% in most places, which is incredible. Like Arsenal have already committed to, they hosted three games at the Emirates in the WSL this year. They've committed to five plus, depending on how far the team goes in the Champions League, hosting all the kind of past the group stage games there. So what we've seen with stuff like the FA Cup and say even take the Arsenal example again with the Wolfsburg uh, game that they sold out the Emirates for, the minute that Arsenal knew they were going to be playing that game, they started selling tickets and they obviously had a very clear process in mind. And then whenever big moments would hit, they would hit fans with the come to the Emirates, fill it out, 60,000 people. It's going to be incredible. And all those people did turn up. And the other thing as well is like the price point that they've put them at. They've stopped giving free tickets and putting tickets at like a fiver or a tenner it's actually making it a worthwhile product. So people are turning up and filling them out. And that's exactly what you saw with the FA Cup at the weekend. The marketing was so good around it. I I think it was a mixture of fans, casual fans and ardent Man United and Chelsea fans, which is always the case in the women's game. Because you're still building that base, you tend to get a lot more casual fans going to these events. And if anything, actually United and Chelsea fans were half complaining that they didn't get a bigger allocation of tickets because they wanted more. So because um, aside from the FA Cup, even that kind of exponential growth, which is what it is week to week, is so impressive because when you hear after a big event like the Euros talk of legacy, you roll your eyes and you say, "Okay, let's see. So that's um, amazing that they've capitalized to that extent. Uh, the context for the final, so it was a 1-0 win, Sam Kerr with the goal on uh, 68 minutes. The Guardian called her the queen of visualisation, I saw. Is she the queen of visualisation? I don't mean, she visualises, I guess. 
She is the queen of getting her... She's a bit like an Erling Haaland-esque character in that she can be in the right place at the right time and, like, can take any sort of shot that she wants. I think... For this goal in particular, a lot of credit has to go to Pernilla Harder. So United looked like the better team yeah. for the best part of an hour. Pernilla Harder came on with practically her first touch, got in behind the United defence and just couldn't get her shot off. Second touch, same thing. Third touch, in behind the United defence, spot Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr is not missing from there. And that's their goal. And that's all Chelsea needed. So I think... She Sam Kerr has had to do a lot more this season than she had to do in previous seasons for Chelsea because of the amount of in- injuries they've had. And that's why she's maybe not scored as many goals. But when you see her link up with someone like Pernilla Harder and the way she's able to find herself the space and know where someone is going to be able to see her, that's when you really see her come into her own. And a slight fear for any Irish fans looking forward to the World Cup this summer. Uh, the context for this game is, as I mentioned, Chelsea. It's their third FA Cup in a row. They're on the cusp of a third double in a row. So it's outright dominance at the moment. Three years ago, Manchester United were playing their first WSL season. They were a little bit late to the party. So I know their manager wasn't thrilled. The United manager wasn't thrilled and his uh, medal was chucked on the ground. But if you're being fair about the context... That's not a terrible situation for United to have done very well for the guts of an hour, lose 1-0 in their third season. They do seem to be taking this seriously and going about their business in the right way. Definitely. And I think there was a lot of criticism of United of the fact it took them so long to build a women's team. But also they brought Katie Stoney in. They moved up the championship. You know, they really wanted to make sure it was a grassroots sort of thing, as much as you can be grassroots in a club like United. Um, And I think when you look at, say, even the example of them playing Chelsea last year in the league against them, Chelsea shipped 10 goals against them, whereas United have only conceded 11 goals all season to every team this year. So like you can see that automatic progress. I think possibly where some of Skinner's frustration comes from is while... They did a lot better at the weekend. It was a slight harping back to United of previous seasons where they were the team that dominated and then just couldn't get that final goal. And you would think with the sort of players that they have, you know, Ella Toon, Alessio Russo, even Onobagier, like she loves, she's almost like a Katie McCabe character. She loves scampering up the wing and she can score when she needs to. So I think I can see where his frustration comes from, but he was also almost angry at any of the reporters who suggested to him afterwards that this wasn't a turn up for the books or like you should just be proud to be here and he was like no 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 this isn't where I want this team to be we want to be competitors it's a bit showy it's a Mm. bit look at what a winner I am but I'll it's it's his character and I think like a lot of people said afterwards it's one thing if a player gets frustrated and throws their medal but if a manager does that doesn't reflect well because it's also saying to the players that like, you didn't really do enough and this doesn't matter yes. and I don't care. And it's you look at Emma Hayes. Emma Hayes has so many medals. Her Champions League medal, which is like her pinnacle, that's the thing she has left to win, basically. She has a runners-up medal and it hangs in the middle of her breakfast bar in her kitchen. I remember during COVID, you could see it in the background of her Zoom calls. That to torture herself or is she proud of it? She says she's proud of it because she's like, that's the height that I've reached in my career probably so far. And once I get that gold medal, then it'll probably replace it. Whereas with someone like Mark Skinner, he hasn't 
really got that sort of legacy behind him. You know, Mark, he doesn't have enough yeah. medals to be throwing them around. Put no it that right way. to be unhappy with that medal. <laughs> um, I was listening to Emma Byrne on Koi Gig and like through gritted teeth, she was saying Chelsea are Real Madrid-esque. It's not attractive. It's not pretty. They can soak up pressure and they'll find a way to win. And then I feel like she spat on the ground, although I couldn't hear it as such. Uh, that was the vibe I got from it. Yeah, that was definitely what her face looked like <laughs> when we were recording. So that is the Chelsea way at the moment? Very much so. I think more so the last two seasons than in previous seasons. Uh, this season in particular, they've just been so ravaged by inju- injuries. Okay. Any other team probably would have suffered a lot more, but Chelsea's depth in their squad just stood to them completely. You look at Arsenal. Arsenal probably should have won the WSL this year if they had their players there but then they had to go and play Wolfsburg with a bench of five teenagers who have never actually had senior starts okay. in the Champions League before So Chelsea are having to box Where, clever in a sense Yeah Chelsea are having to box clever and they're lucky that they have the players to do that You look at Pernilla Harder's comeback I think yesterday or on Sunday was her fourth or fifth game maybe back across all competitions and she has absolutely elevated that squad and she's been out since November, so she hasn't played in like 190 plus days. Mm. Sam Kerr has had to take on loads more work. Before, when Frank Kirby was there and they had that partnership, they were bouncing off each other and it was kind of almost like a race as to who was going to get more goals, more assists. They haven't had that this year. So a lot of their wins haven't been pretty and they've slipped up once or twice, but they can still... What a lot of people said about Sunday was that if Manchester United hadn't scored in the first half, then Chelsea were going to win the game. And that's exactly what happened. And it probably would have been a 1-0, yeah. and it was a 1-0. And you would, it would have been Sam Kerr popping up out of nowhere and it. getting that goal. Yeah. Did Eva Mannion play, by the way? She did, yeah. Uh, she's pretty much nailed on playing, I would presume, given how well she's sold in. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Like I was over in Marbella for the first game that she yeah. played. and In a dreadful game. A dreadful game. Uh, shining light, but, it, but it, straight it away. It wasn't as bad in the Spanish sun when you were sitting there. <laughs> I watched it on a dodgy laptop. Yeah. Uh, not a dodgy stream. It was on the RT player uh, doing five things at once and it was, it was painfully bad. But I do remember thinking, oh, quality here. Oh, the minute she got the ball, yeah. it was impressive. Like, because I... I would have watched a little bit of her in the WSL, but obviously she's been out for so long with injuries. And I remember the first touch she had, she was right beside the goal. The ball went down to her. She had a Chinese player on top of her and she held the ball, carried it around the Chinese player and played it out from the back. And I was just like, "Yeah, did anyone else see? That is not the Irish way of playing. She's very assured and yeah. there's like a pace to her passing. And so she looks very good. Um, Let's assume for a second Chelsea don't slip up here and they beat West Ham away and then in what will be like an amazing occasion against Arsenal on Sunday at home, half past 12 kickoff, they win the league and that's a third double in a row. Emma Hayes is this very interesting um, case study, I suppose, uh, for the women's game and for the men's game in that she's often linked to men's jobs. So her stock seems to be endlessly high. Uh, she every time she does an interview, I kind of fall a bit more in love with her. You know, talks about starting the job with Chelsea over a decade ago and didn't even have an office. And look what she's built. Uh, she's done amazing interviews about her personal troubles, uh, really tough battle with endometriosis and some mental health issues. And uh, you, you know, you care to mention that she's had a really difficult time. Um, is she just going to hang out at Chelsea for another decade and keep on winning? doubles or like is there something a bit more for her do we think be that a move to the 
men's game like a pioneering move in English football or will she take the England job some stage or do you, do you get a sense she's happy-ish to just uh, rule the word at Chelsea and try and win Champions League? I think for the moment she's happy enough at Chelsea to win the Champions League. I think when she gets that Champions League medal and I don't doubt that she will at some stage then maybe a move will come more into her head or a path that she wants to take will come more into her head. She's always said she wouldn't say no to the England job at some stage in her career, but she's made it very clear that at the moment club football is where it's at for her. So is, that, is that similar in terms of attitude to the, the men's game where it would be seen as a slightly older person's gig and, and it's not like the job which it once was? It's kind of, Yeah, it's changed. I think the perception of it has changed a lot as the club game has got increasingly better. Before it would have been like this is pinnacle. this is the pinnacle. Yeah, okay. You want to win a World Cup. You want to win the Euros. You know you want to compete at that level. Whereas now you have a really competitive Champions League. You have a really competitive league. You have the option to move between competitive leagues to teams like you know Emma Hayes could very easily go to France and take on a Lyon or mm. go to Wolfsburg and rebuild them to the behemoths that they used to be, and. Maybe that is in her future at some stage, but at the moment it seems that Chelsea is like, it's like an Alex Ferguson or uh, Arsene Wenger, well, Arsene Wenger in the earlier years. Yeah, She has built that industry there. She has built that machine and she wants to keep control of it for a little while longer. She was like, even today she was saying that they basically have their summer transfer deals all sewn up and ready to go. And you're kind of looking and you're like, it's May. <laughs> the transfer window hasn't even opened yet for like another month or so. Did she so, have in brackets, thank God Todd Bowley has left us alone. Yeah. <laughs> We're actually well run over here, Todd. Um, just one last point. So uh, you mentioned this to me outside. I wasn't aware. At the moment, the WSL, the league is under the stewardship of the FA. Yep. And I would presume with each passing year, it's becoming a more and more valuable commodity. And is it like actively up for sale? I mean, are the FA saying, come and take this off our hands for the right price? Or is it just that people are sniffing around? Where No, so there's always been a progression plan for the league that basically after a certain amount of time when it's been built to a certain prominence, I suppose, in England, that it'll be taken on by it's always been assumed the Premier League mm. um, and I remember just before Covid hit uh, there was a lot of reports that the Premier League were actually looking at it a lot more and saying okay what can we do in the next three to four years and there was like a little bit of back and forth within people who were in like the women's football community of like do we want the league to be yeah. taken over by the Premier really League their priority yeah because you have the advantage of a lot of people that say know how to run big clubs big industries know how to bring leagues get big commercial deals that is a benefit but then you flip it and you look well United have only had a women's team in the WSL for the last few years Liverpool's have only just got back up into the WSL after being one of the major powers and were just cast aside mm. and you can kind of go through and it actually has been a lot of lower league teams that have supported their women's team better so there's in that question then covid hit and they were like actually yeah. maybe it's going to be well, better off yeah. seven or eight years um but just from talking to a few people based over there there was like a briefing as recently as yesterday saying that 2024 is when it's most likely that the WSL is going to move out of the hands of the FA okay. and it's no longer looking like the Premier League. Um, it's going to be an independent group who want to develop the league itself as an independent standalone and cater it to the women's game. So 
I spend so much of my life talking about it. I think all my friends and family are bored of listening to me that what's right for a man's not right for a woman. And it's the same for the game. So what suits a men's footballer won't suit a women's footballer. So why don't we create a product from the very start that suits them, that has everything that they need, whether that's proper maternity rights, whether that's proper contracts, whether that's, you know, having more facilities in place to give them opportunities outside of the game because they're not earning the millions upon millions that the men earn and they need those university degrees. Do we know much about this independent group who are saying such lovely things and you can trust us? I think so at the moment from what I've heard it's being headed up by a representative from Arsenal which would give me some faith considering how long Arsenal have been at the top of the women's game uh, and that it's a mixture I think of different clubs club representatives and then also commercial representatives so people who have been investing in the women's game okay so it's not like you know it's not like hedge fund or the saudis i don't think so no from what i have heard so far anyways um and hopefully it stays that way because i would much rather that than having to do a big talk about how the saudis yeah (laughs) um very good thank you so much for that thank you kathleen mcnamee uh, with us and the Koi Gig podcast, as always, available to download wherever you get your podcast from.